0: to dig into some great Bible verses this morning. So uh, let's count it down. up. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, um, this is streaming out to multiple channels, so I may not be able to see your comments while I'm live. And if I can't, uh, I do promise I will get back to you afterwards. But do me a favor. If, you, uh, if you're if you watching live, just drop a comment and say that you're here. Let me know that you're here. And uh, I'll also try and keep an eye on the comments popping on my phone uh, so that I can see those there. But first and foremost, I just want to say Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, yesterday, if you tuned in, you listened uh, as I walked through some stuff uh, talking about the, uh, the moment with Abraham and Isaac and uh, God desiring mercy, not sacrifice. And so uh, today I want to kind of continue that conversation, but not about Abraham and Isaac. Today I want to dig into a little more of when Jesus spoke of this, where it came from, and kind of some of the situations that were going on there. So today we're going to dig in a little bit to um, a couple different sections. We're going to look at uh, Matthew a little, we're going to look at some Hosea, and we're going to look at some Micah. But uh, I think the best thing to do is to just jump right into some Bible story reading. So let's dig in and read here. Now, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, You can read from whatever version you want. The story is still the same. Just might be worded a little bit differently uh, for ease of readability. But we're going to jump into Matthew 9, verse 9. And this is uh, subtitled, which isn't in the original scriptures, but the call of Matthew. So it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Now, before we talk about what happens at Matthew's house, I want to talk about why uh, this is actually not as surprising as it may seem. Because on first glance, you might go, wait a minute, what the heck? Like, here's Matthew, he's a tax collector for the Romans. So he's rolling in the dough, living a better life than any of the other Jewish people there. And this Jesus guy walks by and says, follow me. And he's like, Oh, yeah, that sounds good. I'll just go follow you and give up everything. Like, why would he do that? Well, to understand that, you'd have to understand the culture a little bit. And back then, if you were a good Jewish boy being raised, usually when you were young, well, not usually, when you were young, you would study Torah, right? You would you would like uh, spend the first part of your adolescence memorizing the first five books of the Bible, uh, which is uh, kind of crazy to think about, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. To, to memorize that seems nuts, like by the age of 10. <clears throat> if you were somebody that the rabbi saw some promise and they would they would extend your schooling for the next three or four years you'd be uh, you know memorizing more scripture things like that and if they really thought you were super special the rabbi would say i want you to follow me and take on my yoke follow me and then you would basically study under that rabbi because the rabbi thought you were good enough to do what they do so for matthew to be a tax collector be an adult and and to not be a rabbi right to be doing the job he was doing, a couple things were happening. One, at some point in his life, some rabbi said, you're not good enough to do what I do. See ya, kid. But the other thing is to do what Matthew was doing, to be a tax collector, he was not only uh, hated by the Romans like most Jews, but he was hated by his own people too. So here comes this new rabbi in the scene who says, follow me. Uh, Finally, somebody says to him, you're good enough, you're worthy, I wanna be around you. So it's not that surprising that he would go, oh, finally, somebody somebody thinks I'm good enough. So for, for the longest time in my life, I was like, who would just drop everything and go follow some random stranger guy that, like how could he have known he was the Messiah by then, right? He couldn't have. So that explains a little bit why, because emotionally, somebody finally told Matthew, hey, you're somebody that I, I wanna be around. You're somebody who I think I see potential in so follow me. And for a rabbi to say that would mean a whole lot. So let's go ahead though, and let's continue in the story here. So from there, it says, while he was reclining at a table now, so this is Matthew's house. Now Jesus is at Matthew's house. It says, while he was reclining at a table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now this is a big deal because the way that the the way that the religious leaders viewed these folks they were like riffraff that were not good enough to be around right tax collectors not only were they collecting tax from the jewish people on behalf of the romans but many of them were like taking more right they, 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 they a lot of scholars believe they were like you know skimming even more money from them and really being abusive toward folks so the, the Pharisees were sitting here like, like ugh. you know, why would, if your rabbi is so good, if he's this guy who's following God, why would he hang out with people like you? Because that's gross. And this is interesting because as they asked that question, Jesus says this, it says, now when he heard this, he said, it's not those who are well, who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, it was great. My wife and I uh, attended something called Starting Point at the new church we've been attending down here in Tennessee that is just awesome. And one of the things that they were talking about is like um, the reality that sometimes in church, people have this mindset that church is a place that the righteous go, right? I'm a good Christian. uh, I'm following God. So I go to church. But it's interesting, because when we hear Jesus saying what he was all about here, he said, it's, it's not those who are well that need a doctor, but those who are sick. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So here's the reality. If we just look at scripture, here's what we know. All, all of us are sinners, right? None of us, none of us are, are perfect. None of us are. Jesus is the only person, the only human on earth, right, who walked the earth free of sin. So then what should the church be? Well, the way Jesus words it, it sure sounds like it should be a hospital for the sick. But before you go, yeah, exactly, all you church people, hold on for a minute. We're all a little sick, aren't we? I mean, church really should be a place where everyone is welcome. And Jesus makes that point throughout scripture as we see his followers wondering what like, and others asking, like, why would he have dinner at a Pharisee's house? Why would he meet with Nicodemus, for example? See, everybody, no matter how religious you think you are, or no, no matter how unreligious you think you are, Jesus didn't come to push religion. He didn't come to start a new religion. He came to first show the Jewish people, hey, here's how we're supposed to be living for God. Here's how we're supposed to live this out. He didn't come to start a cult called Christianity. He came to show God's people, this is how we're supposed to live. And you guys, in many ways, have been pushing this man-made stuff that isn't exactly what my dad intended for you to do. Let me go a little further, and uh, we'll fast forward to Matthew 12, and I'm gonna read uh, another example here. Uh, so again, out of the Christian Standard Bible, but this is Matthew 12, starting verse, um verse one. And uh, it says, "'At that time Jesus passed through the grain fields "'on Sabbath, his disciples were hungry "'and began to pick and eat some heads of grain. "'When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, "'See, your disciples are doing "'what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath.'" Now, to understand this, you gotta know, like you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to do stuff. You weren't allowed to go at harvest things like that, that would be considered work. And so they had gotten so strict on the rules on, these, uh, on the way that they were interpreting the meaning of Sabbath, that they were like, whoa, your guys are breaking Sabbath law by popping heads off grain and eating something. And it's interesting because Jesus actually points them back to a scripture they would know very well. He said to them, haven't you read what David did when he and those who were with him were hungry? How he entered the house of God and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or for those with him to eat. But only for priests, like only the priests were supposed to eat the bread of the presence. But but what happened here? David and his men ate them when they were on the run. It says, or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath day, priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Now, Jesus, of course, being what's greater than the temple, right? Jesus is God with skin on. And it says this, he says, again, he goes, if you had known what this means, here's this verse again, here's a scripture again, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, Today, we're not gonna dig in too deep on the whole the son of man wording because A, Jesus is referred to as the son of man, but B, also son of man literally meant human beings uh, in that time, that was a common phrase used, right? Uh, son of man meant humans, right? So which is why the Pharisees got so livid when uh, what Jesus you know, would be referred to as, you know, referred to God as father, because then he, you know, he's son of God. So being son of God and son of man, whoa, huge. So we aren't going to focus too much on that, but Jesus saying, have you read what this means? The son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. See, the Pharisees were mad about Jesus' guys eating the grain. So Jesus just said, uh, hey, God created Sabbath as a thing of rest, not as a demand to add to human beings to weigh them down more. Uh, the son of man is Lord can make the decision <laughs> how they're treating uh, that time of rest. But again, we saw Jesus go back to quoting that scripture, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So where in the heck does that come from? That's what we want to dig into today. Because oftentimes back then, we would see the, if we read through the scriptures, we see the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the religious, see how this word keeps coming up, religious, religious, religious. The religious folk imposing rules, saying, if you're going to follow God, here are the rules you have to adhere to. And if you didn't adhere to those rules in their mind, you were not someone God would love. If you didn't offer the proper sacrifices, you weren't cleansed of your sins. You weren't good enough for God to care about you. But Jesus, what he was quoting was actually from Hosea, Hosea chapter six. And, uh, and I want to just share that with you now, uh, it says right here in Hosea chapter six, verse six. For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Let me read that again. For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice for the knowledge of God, or excuse me, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Now, oftentimes people will look at, um, they'll, they'll, they'll look at uh, James, And they'll talk about works, you know, faith without works is dead, things like that. And there's a danger that we can think those things mean, look, if you're not doing the sacrificing, if you're not putting in the work, you don't really have faith. But oftentimes I think that there's a chance we misunderstand that. And that more what James is saying is that if you truly have faith, it's gonna be shown because naturally you're going to do the works. And what are the works? What are the most important things? Love God, love people, right? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. We see the scripture saying over and over, and I wanna share one more example of this scripture, and then I'm just gonna break it down, uh, and then we'll wrap up today's Bible study together. And this is from Micah chapter six, and uh, I'm gonna read verses six through eight here. Okay, it says, what should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression, the offspring of my body for my own sin? So this section right here that we're reading in Mike get's like, what do I have to do to make God happy? What do I have to do to, to wipe out my sin, to eradicate my sin, to be living the life God wants me to live? What do I have to do to prove it? And here, this is the clincher. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you. Hey, write this down, friends. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with God. Huh. Huh. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with God your God. See, God doesn't want us to stand up there and say, look at how good of a Christian I'm being, or look how good of a Jewish follower I am. God wants us to do what? To be like him. God is merciful. At the core of the whole story, right? God created humanity perfectly. Then humanity broke the deal. And what did God do? He launched a rescue mission for you and me. So God, from the beginning of the story, said, "I'm gonna be merciful." God doesn't need our sacrifice. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need you to go kill a goat to feel better. He doesn't need you to uh, give up turning the lights on on Sunday. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to do any of those things to show your love for Him. What He calls us to do is to show that we love him by spending time with him and by loving the people he's created. Not just the Christians, for my Jewish brothers and sisters, not just the fellow Jews. God calls us to show our love for him by loving humanity, by being merciful, there are a lot of Christians that walk around with uh, faces that look like they surely aren't happy about the life that God gave them. You know, they're, they're spending so much time complaining about what's wrong in the world. They're spending so much time complaining about how, uh, how hard it is. You know, like I've given up A, B, and C. I, I had a great conversation with a friend of mine about salvation and redemption and how the scriptures say while we were still his enemies, while we were still his enemies, while we could do nothing, we were weak and helpless, God saved us. Which mathematically, if you just take out all the emotion and how we want to feel, says, look, before we accepted him, he loved us first. Oh, even the scripture says that. He loved us before we loved him. So being a follower of Jesus, it doesn't happen until you realize, right? Like, he loved us first. He saved us. Our response is to love him back, to follow him. And how do we love him back? How do we follow him? We get to know him. We get to know Jesus, what he's done for us, and how he made that connection come back together, and we go love other people. There's the fruit, right? Jesus even said, they'll know you're with me by your love for one another. He didn't say, they're gonna know you're with me by how loud you yell against all the bad stuff going on in the world. Is there bad stuff? Yeah, does it suck? Yeah, is it horrible? Yeah, should we know and have conversations about it? Yeah. But our number one focus should be to what? To preach God, to preach the love of Jesus and preach the redemption that he brought to us. Jesus reconciled you and me with God. That's number one. God is it, he loves us, he's it, he's all of it. Second, love people. That's it guys, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go learn what this means. All of us who say I'm following Jesus, Let's wrestle with that. So how do we show mercy? The homeless person that you see that needs a meal, get them one, right? The enemy that needs help, offer it to them. The corrupt politician, uh, no, it doesn't mean go uh, let them stab you or something you don't agree with or do something like that, but it does mean pray for them, show love, pray for them to turn around. Don't pray for them to go to hell, don't don't pray for horrible things to happen to them. Pray for God, to, to, for them to see God and, and just pray for their redemption, for them to feel God's love. That's mercy. Mercy is showing love, even though maybe our flesh makes us feel like they don't deserve it. Have you ever pulled off that off ramp and gone, man, I don't wanna give money to that person because I see them out there smoking and drinking uh, and they're probably just gonna go waste money on that. I know that's how I feel sometimes. But the reality is mercy is saying, even though somebody in our mind, in our fleshly thinking, we think, well, they don't deserve help. we give it anyway. There's a good reason a lot of folks don't want to darken the door of a church. I know I spent the first almost 30 years of my life, 20 plus anyway, growing up thinking, church is the place you go to get told how bad you are and what you got to do for God to actually love you. And it wasn't until I grew up and realized, God has loved me the whole time. He sent Jesus for me. Even if I wasn't going to love Jesus back, Jesus did what he did so that God and I could be reconnected. And once I realized that, I went, how could I not want to get to know Jesus? How could I not want to love him back? And if that's the case, and I truly get to know them, well, man, how could I not want to learn how to better show that love to others, including the hard ones, my enemies? God desires mercy, not sacrifice. So today, when you get in those tough situations, let me encourage you, don't think of those as, oh, I got to make another sacrifice for God by stepping up here. Instead, look at it is, God, thank you for giving me one more chance to show your mercy. Listen, thanks again for tuning in. If you're not already subscribed, uh, I'm going to pop it up here. I want to show you the YouTube channel, and I want to encourage you, please go subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Jesus way. If you're a guy and you need some coaching, you're like, man, dude, I just need somebody to kind of help me get. Uh, just get things moving the right direction in my life. Uh, I, I know i'm I'm sort of going the right direction, but I just I need some help. I need some encouragement, I need some coaching. Head over to value uh, driven value driven coach ah, value driven dot site. If you're a guy created a 40 day challenge called the man up challenge. And here's the deal. If you go there and sign up right now, I got 10 copies, physical copies, you're gonna get a PDF download. But if you go sign up, I'm gonna uh, actually reach out to you get your address and I will mail you a physical copy of the man up 40 day challenge. It's a man up playbook. It's all about like, how do we become guys who really are living like Jesus so we can be good dads, good husbands, good leaders at work, just good guys. And I didn't say perfect because none of us are ever going to get that right. But if you want to be part of a great community of guys, uh, when you sign up for that at valuedriven.site, you're also going to get access to a private Facebook group where there's guys who will just pray for you, be encouraging to you. And it is literally just starting out. It literally just started out uh, right here at the beginning of September. Um, So it's a couple guys in the group now, but the goal is to make sure this group grows to a few hundred men before the year's over. And I would love to invite you guys to join it. Listen, no matter where you're at in your business or your life, you are just one moment away from taking a step closer to walking with God. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't made the decision to get to know Jesus, please make today that day. Thanks again for tuning in. Love y'all. Now go out there and make your day and hopefully someone else's amazing.